0: love.
1: and shake hands and fellowship one with another.
0: the third now. He took my sins and my son. Oh how he loves you and me. Just sing that chorus. Oh how he loves you and me.
1: said has come forward to receive our offering I'm glad tonight that he loves us don't you I praise the Lord for his love you're giving on Wednesday night go support the Bible conference so let me encourage you to give and the Lord will bless you in your giving tonight let's pray father we thank you tonight for your love we thank you Lord for your love for us and may we love you in return love you properly love you as you so deserve Father, one of the ways we express our love is through our giving. So bless the offering tonight and those that give. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: From earth to glory, since by grace He lifted me from sin and woe. Living grace He has extended when on Him my heart's depended. And He'll give new grace when it's my time to go, all grace not yet discovered, his grace not yet uncovered, grace from his bound depended and his grace grace to love and pray for sinners grace I forgot the words I'm sorry <laughs> it's been a long time and he'll give no grace when it's My time to go. He's given us living grace. That's what the verse is about. For every day, no matter what comes, no matter what we need. On Wednesday night now, I go to the back service with the teens. There's 92 teens back there right now. They had to go get extra chairs. And I look at those faces and I know that life is going to bring some hard things their way. And they're going to need to see you and I with a sustaining grace. A grace that's seen us through lots of things so they'll know when those things come to them that His grace will be sufficient. And oh, that's what it's all about. There's a lot of visitors back there tonight. You pray that someone will get saved, okay? Okay. Oh, grace not yet discovered. Grace. Not yet uncovered is grace from his bountiful so
1: Praise the Lord let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of James chapter 3 and we're going to continue our study through the book of James and tonight we're gonna to think about the subject that's in everyone's mouth we're gonna talk about the tongue learn a little bit about the tongue of course nobody here tonight has a problem with the tongue so uh, you know we're studying about everybody else tonight hey, amen yes sir yes he is amen Praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with that, is there? Amen. Let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word, James 3. We begin reading in verse 1. And again, our thought tonight is the subject in everyone's mouth. I thought about titling the sermon, The Meanest Member of Our Church, but I thought I'd settle on this one. But look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. James says, My brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation for in many things we offend all if any man offend not in word the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body behold we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body behold also the ships Which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed to mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing my brethren these things ought not so to be doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter can the fig tree my brethren bear olive berries either of vine figs so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh thank you. you may be seated let's pray and tonight we'll look at these 12 verses and glean a few things about the subject in everyone's mouth let's pray our Father we thank you just for the privilege of reading your word and what a blessing it is Lord just to read the Word of God and to read the Word of God publicly we thank you for it and fathers we come tonight we not only thank you for the privilege of reading the Word but the privilege of studying the Word and learning the Word of God Father, help us all to be students tonight. Help us, Lord, to be people that will listen to you through your Word. Let us grow, let us gain from the Word of God tonight that which will help us to grow. And I pray that our lives would be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ as a result of the few moments that we'll spend together studying this portion of your Word. So thank you now for your grace, and I pray that you will help us now in Jesus' name, and for Jesus' sake we pray, amen. I read the story about a man that worked in the produce department of a grocery store and one day this lady came in and she asked if she could have half a head of lettuce and the man in the produce department said half a head are you serious he said god grows four heads and that's the way we sell them around here we don't sell them half by half a head of lettuce and the lady looked at him and said you mean to tell me after all the years that i've shopped here you won't sell me half a head of lettuce and so the man looked at and said well if it would make you feel better I'll ask the manager so he and she said she'd appreciate that so he marched up front of the grocery store into the manager's office and he said to the manager said you're not going to believe this but there's a lame brain idiot of a lady that wants to know if she can buy half a head of lettuce then he noticed out of the corner of his eye that the lady was standing behind him and he said and this nice lady here is wondering she could buy the other half well later that day the manager said to the man he said that was the best example of thinking on your feet that I have ever seen where did you learn that and the fellow said I grew up in Grand Rapids and if you know anything about Grand Rapids you know that it's known for its great hockey team and its ugly women well the manager's face I blushed a little bit and he interrupted and he said my wife is from Grand Rapids and without batting an eye he said and which hockey team did she play on Amen. I heard about this preacher one day the doorbell rung and he looked out the window and he saw this lady standing there one of his members a lady by the name of Mrs. Anderson and he said to his wife, he said, Honey, would you please answer the door? I've had all that I can handle in and Miss Anderson's gossip. All she does is just talk about people and tear people down, and I'm just not in the mood for hearing any of it today. He said, I'm going to my study if you'll take care of it. Well, about two hours later, he shouted back from his study. He said, Honey, has that old boar left yet? And his wife said, Yes, dear. She left a long time ago, but Sister Anderson is here right now. Well, I'm reminded that sometimes what we say can get us in trouble. And that's what James is talking about. As we continue our study of the book of James, James talks to us about the tongue. And he speaks to us of the trouble that our tongue can get us in and the trouble that the tongue can cause. And what he deals with in James 3 and verses 1 through 12 is reasons for learning how to control the tongue. I think about a tombstone in a little cemetery in England that simply reads this. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. Well, that's what James is talking about, learning how to hold our tongue. Since our tongue is in a wet place and has a tendency to slip, then he devotes a large section of this letter dealing with the tongue, the subject that is in everyone's mouth. Now, if you've been with us on Wednesday night then you know that in our past studies we have seen how James has already had several things to say about the tongue in chapter 1 verse 19 we saw where he said wherefore my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear notice slow to speak and slow to wrath we saw in chapter 1 verse 19 that James says we are to be quick to hear that we're to avail ourselves quickly of every opportunity to hear the Word of God but he says we're to be slow in what we say we also saw in James 1 verse 26 the Bible said if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart this man's religion is vain James told us in chapter 1 verse 26 that a person who does not bridle his tongue his or her religion is useless that's the idea behind the word vain it is useless it is worthless if an individual cannot bridle their tongue their religion is in vain also in chapter 2 verse 12 we read so speak ye and so do is they that shall be judged by the law of liberty james says you talk and james says you walk in light of future judgment he said i want you to speak and do as those that one day will give an account for everything they say and everything they do so he's already had a lot to say about our words he's already had a lot to say about our tongues but now he comes to a, we come to a lengthy discussion of the tongue so let's look at these 12 verses tonight and see what James has to say about the tongue follow me fill in the blanks on your little brochure it'll help you to remember the things we look at tonight the first thing that I want you to consider with me is the revelation of a controlled tongue the revelation of a controlled tongue you notice beginning in verse 1 that James begins his discussion of the tongue addressing his word primarily to teachers notice what he said in verse 1 my brethren be not many masters underscore the word masters there the word masters that he used that uses there is a word that literally describes a teacher he's talking about teachers my brethren be not many teachers now when you think about a teacher then you are very much aware that words and speech are important to that teacher they're the means whereby that teacher communicates truth. It's the way they convey their ideals, the way they convey their subject through their words, by their tongue, through their mouth. It is the means by which truth is communicated. Therefore, it's understandable that when talking about the tongue that Jane speaks to those who, speaks directly to those who use the tongue, for those who use their words to say and to communicate certain things the importance of a proper use of the tongue is conveyed in the words of verse 1 knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation as James speaks of the teachers there he's speaking to those who have a great responsibility he's speaking of those that are primarily teachers of the word and he had they have a task in which there is a great responsibility the teaching of the word but with that responsibility comes a great accountability James tells us that teachers are held to a high standard and he tells us that teachers will face a stricter judgment and the reason being that what they say exerts influence over other people Now, I want you to understand something tonight I'm talking to myself every preacher in this room and every teacher in this room tonight if you're a teacher of the Word of God then listen very carefully to what I'm about to say God holds you to a high standard In fact he holds you to a higher standard than anyone else and you're going to face a very strict judgment about what you say and how you say it when it comes to the preaching of the Word of God it is a serious matter when it comes to teaching the Word of God it is a very very serious matter because what we say influences people and we're not in the business of influencing people for ourselves. We're not in the business of drawing people to ourselves. We're in the business of communicating God's word and influencing people rightly and influencing people for the things of God. And we're, we can influence for good or we can influence them for the bad. But because we are teachers and what we say has an influence on people, then he tells us in verse 1 that we will come into greater condemnation that is there'll be a stricter judgment for those who had the responsibility of teaching the word of God but he begins the chapter by addressing his words primarily to teachers but i want you to understand they are not limited to teachers for notice how he begins in verse 2 he begins by saying for in many things we offend all underscore the word offend the word offend that he uses there is a word that means to stumble James is not saying that we offend everybody that's not what he's saying in the statement in many things We offend everybody or offend all or make others stumble What he's saying is that every one of us we stumble and every one of us there are many ways in which we stumble. Now, the truth of the matter is tonight, every person on the sound of my voice, you stumble. I stumble. We all stumble and we all fail the Lord. Every one of us is involved in falling. Am I not right? Say amen. There is no perfect people here. And I didn't want to disappoint anybody, but there is no perfect people in this room. We all offend or we all stumble and fail. But by reminding us that we all stumble not just teachers but that we all stumble he's telling us that what I'm about to say about the tongue not only applies to teachers but it applies to every believer so when he talks about everyone stumbles he is bringing everybody under the umbrella of what he's about to say so as he begins his section dealing with the tongue he tells us at the very beginning that the tongue is very revealing when a person goes to the doctor sometimes the doctor will ask you to stick your tongue out and the doctor can understand several things and about you through what your tongue looks like his tongue is very revealing it's like one of the early church fathers Justin Martin said by examining the tongue of the patient physicians find out the diseases of the body philosophers find out the diseases of the mind and Christians find out the diseases of the soul in other words he's talking about the tongue says something about us and in verse 2 James describes a controlled tongue he speaks of those who offend not in word not somebody that offends in word but somebody whose tongue is under control and he speaks of that controlled tongue as being very revealing about that individual now what does the controlled tongue reveal let me just point out two things in our in verse two you notice first of all that a controlled tongue reveals spiritual maturity notice what he said in verse two if any man offend not in word the same is a perfect man you see that James says if a person does not offend in word that individual is a perfect man in other words a controlled tongue reveals a perfect man now what is a perfect man he is not talking about somebody that is sinless for he's just made the statement that we all stumble and so he's not talking about somebody that is without sin or without failure the word that he uses here is a word that is used throughout the Bible to speak of maturity. It is a word that describes someone that is m- mature and is developed in their spiritual life and they are mature in their spiritual life. What James says in verse 2 is that a controlled tongue, those that do not offend in word, those that control their tongue, it reveals their spiritual maturity. I think about the believers at Corinth. Paul described them as being spiritual babies, 1 Corinthians 3 1. They had been safe for a period of time. They'd been safe for a long period of time, but he describes them as never grown, as have never grown in the Lord. They were spiritually immature. Now, there are many marks of an immature believer, and there are many marks of spiritual immaturity, and James indicates that one of the marks of spiritual immaturity is the inability to control your tongue. James says that the mark of somebody that is a spiritual baby is the fact they cannot control their tongue But on the other hand a mark of somebody that is mature is the ability to control their tongue Now we've all known of those that gossip and we've all known and know of those who talk about others I think about a story that came from R.G. Laterno. He's for many years an outstanding Christian businessman And he added a company that manufactured large earth-moving equipment, these huge uh, dozers and so forth like that. Uh, That was his company. He once remarked, he said, we used to make a scraper known as the Model G. And one day someone asked one of our salesmen what the G stood for. And he said the man who was pretty quick on the trigger immediately replied, he said, I'll tell you what the G is for. The G stands for gossip. Because, like a tail bear, this machine moves a lot of dirt and moves it fast. Well, I've known and know of people that move a lot of dirt and they move it fast, and you probably do too. If you want to know the lowdown on certain things, want well, to know the lowdown on someone, or know the lowdown on something, then just ask that particular person. They're a lot like the woman who was known for gossiping that came to the altar one Sunday and she told her pastor she wanted not lay her tongue on the altar and he said, go ahead, there's 40 foot of altar there, lay as much on it as you can. Well, there are a lot of people who are like that. And they just gossip and tear down people and whenever there was someone else, it's not very long Then they're criticizing somebody and talking bad about someone and tearing down that individual. I want you to listen to what the Bible says. I want to classify that individual I want to tell you what God thinks about that individual somebody that cannot control their tongue the Bible tells us they are a spiritual baby they are spiritually immature because a spiritually mature person does not go around talking about other people a spiritually mature person doesn't go around tearing down other people they have their tongue under control so you find someone that's always gossiping, then just remember what God says. They're a baby in the Lord. They've never grown. They're spiritually immature. Somebody always tearing someone down, they're spiritually immature. James says the control of the tongue is a mark of spiritual maturity. Look at the second thing he says about the tongue. It not only reveals spiritual maturity, but it also reveals spiritual mastery. But notice how he concludes verse 2 he tells us first of all that a controlled tongue reveals a perfect man a mature man but then he concludes verse 2 by saying that the man who does not offend in word is able also to bridle the whole body he says this individual not only can control their tongue but they can control the rest of their body as well Now, someone has said that the body can be a wonderful servant but a terrible master And by that, I simply mean that many people are controlled by what their bodies want. And they're controlled by what their bodies desire. You know why we yield to temptation? We yield to temptation because we listen to our body. We listen to the flesh. We yield to temptation because we do what the body wants. But a mature person does not allow the body to be their master. A mature person makes the body their servant. Let me give you an example it's Sunday morning and the clock goes off and immediately the old body says don't get up this is your day of rest the body says just stay here under these warm covers the body says I want to sleep I don't feel good I want to sleep today and if a person listens to their body they'll stay in bed and they'll miss church But on the other hand, a mature person does not listen to what their body says. They listen to what the spirit says. And thus, they tell their body what to do. They don't let their body tell them what to do. And James says one of the marks of a man that controls his tongue, not only is he spiritually mature, that's why he controls his tongue, but it also reveals the fact that this is a man that's got his body under control. This is an individual that has disciplined their body and has made the body a servant and has not allowed the body to be a master. So, James talks about a controlled tongue and what it reveals. But look at the second thing he talks about. Not only does he talk about the revelation of a controlled tongue, but then he moves on and talks about the results of a corrupt tongue. James is a master at illustrating. An illustration is a window that allows light to shine in on the subject that's why preachers use illustrations that's why Jesus used parables he used stories to allow light to come in on a truth and James, of anybody in the New Testament, is a master at illustrating. He's always pulling out illustrations. We noticed it when we talked about temptation, he used the illustration of a hunter setting a trap or a fisherman baiting a hook. And we've seen his illustrations all through the book. Now, beginning in verse 4, he begins to use a series of illustrations to, set, to shed light on the subject of the tongue. And the illustrations that he uses illustrates that the tongue can be used for both good and bad for example notice first of all that he illustrates the beneficial use of the tongue he illustrates the beneficial use of the tongue how the tongue can be used in a beneficial way look at verse 3 and 4 he said behold we put bits in the horses mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body behold also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor or the pilot listeth now you notice that he uses the illustration uses two illustrations here let me point them out first of all he uses the illustration of the reins of a horse in verse 3 he talks about a horse and he talks about a a large horse there he talks about the big horse but he talks about how that Animal is controlled by a small piece of metal in its mouth He says we turn about the whole body By a little piece of metal that is in the horse's mouth He talks about and describes how but the reins and the bit in the horse's mouth one Controls what the horse does and one controls where the horse goes That's the first illustration the reins of a horse, but the second illustration is the rudder of a ship If you notice in verse 4, he talks about this large sailing vessel. It's been moved along by the wind. But yet the direction of the ship is controlled by a small runner or helm, as he calls it. He even describes a ship being in a fierce wind, in a terrible storm. But by the runner, by the helm, the governor, that is the pilot, can control where the ship goes and bring that ship to safety. Now, in both cases, the bit being used for the, uh, in the horse and the rudder on the ship, both of them describe something that is beneficial. The reins in the horse's mouth is for the benefit of the rider. And the rudder on the ship is for the benefit of the pilot. Both of them have beneficial uses. James says in verse 5, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. James is like a little piece of metal in a horse's mouth like a little piece of wood on the back end of a ship. the tongue is a little member but the tongue can be very very beneficial small member of our body but yet the tongue can be very very beneficial there are many ways in which I think of the tongue being beneficial take the teachers James has talked about in verse 1 the benefit of what they say and the benefit of what they teach teaching the Word of God communicating the Word of God and everybody is helped in the process as they learn the Word of God that's a beneficial use of the tongue the tongue can be the instrument by which words of love are spoken to the lonely the tongue can be the instrument by which words of comfort can be spoken to the broken-hearted the tongue can be the instrument by which words of encouragement are spoken to the discouraged The tongue can be the instrument by which the words of direction can be given to the confused. I think of the thousands, literally millions that have been saved because of what someone shared with them, the words that someone shared with them. Somebody came to you one day and asked you about if you knew the Lord and they told you about Christ, their words were beneficial to you because God used them to save you. He talks about the beneficial use of the tongue. But he not only describes the tongue as being beneficial, but also it can be very detrimental. For notice, secondly, he not only talks about the bad use of the tongue, but now he gets to the subject of corrupt tongue and he talks about the beneficial but the bad use of the tongue. Look what he said in verse 5. He said, Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindles!" Now he's just saying now, here's a little piece of metal in a horse's mouth. Here's a little piece of wood on the back end of a ship by which that ship is steered. And both of them are small things, just like your tongue. It's a small member. It's a small little member of your body, but yet it can have, powerful, it can have a powerful influence on others. It can bring great benefits. But he said also, it not only can be beneficial, but it also can be very detrimental. It can be like a little fire that can be very, very destructive. I think about the great Chicago fire of 1871. The fire reportedly began in when a cow kicked over a lantern in Miss O'Leary's barn. And the fire that started Miss O'Leary's barn turned into one of the most terrible disasters in the history of the United States. The blaze started on a warm, dry Sunday afternoon, and at first the Learys and the neighbors tried to put it out themselves, but after about 10 minutes, one of the neighbors finally ran for the nearest alarm block. Box that was about three blocks away and called the fire department. Took several more minutes for the fire horse-drawn fire equipment to arrive, and by then a swift wind had begun to blow, causing the fire to spread. And the damage was almost unbelievable. More than 300 people lost their lives, and over 18,000 buildings worth 200 million dollars were destroyed. One section of the city, four miles long and a mile wide, was completely flattened. A little fire started when a ladder kicked over and ignited some hay, but it nearly destroyed a city. Now James said a controlled tongue can bring much help, but an uncontrolled tongue, a corrupt tongue, can bring much hurt. James again begins to illustrate. And he illustrates the potential destruction the tongue can bring in verse 6. He said, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth there's the idol of a corrupt tongue it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell i notice a couple of things about what he says about the tongue he says first of all he talks about how the tongue can pollute he describes the tongue as a fire and a world of iniquity and he uses the word world there, suggesting the vastness and the variety of the tongue's evil pollution. He said, The tongue is like a fire, it's a world of iniquity. It has vast means of doing wrong, it has wide ways of polluting. Whereas the tongue can help in many ways, it also has vast ways in which it can hurt. It can be like a world of iniquity. It can be used in many evil, sinful, and corrupt ways. He talked about a mature person, how they control the tongue. But now he talks about how an immature person, the controlled person, their body, the mature person, their body is controlled, but the immature person, he says, their body is contaminated. For he said, because you cannot control your tongue, the whole body is defiled. The whole of a person's life is polluted and defiled by the tongue. Notice a couple phrases he uses. He uses the phrase the course of nature. And that phrase is literally the wheel of a man's cycle or wheel of man's nature. And in ancient days, the wheel was the symbol of the cycle of life, the ongoing process of life. And James is telling us that the whole cycle of life. Can be defiled by an improper use of the tongue. A mature man controls his tongue and controls his body, but an immature person who cannot control their tongue, they corrupt the whole cycle of life. They corrupt their whole life by the fact that they cannot control their tongue. Furthermore, he adds that the tongue is set on fire of hell. Hell is often used in the Bible as a synonym of Satan said is that our tongue can be an instrument of the devil and if the devil is using us in any way you mark it down we are defiled amen if there's anything about our life that has become beneficial to the devil then we are defiled and we are corrupt and we are polluted and in simple words this is what James says James is telling us that somebody that gossips now listen to me somebody that whenever they're around other people they start tearing this one down and putting this one down James says about that individual you are dirty you are defiled you are a desecrated person James shoots it straight from the hill he said don't you smile like you're a saint ready to sprout wings he said if you can't control your tongue you're dirty you're defiled you're polluted Now, we ought to ask ourselves the question, are you with me tonight? Say amen. You better holler, I'll make me think you've been gossiping. Say amen. But you ever, you find yourself talking about other people? Do you find yourself spreading rumors and gossip about someone else? The Bible says you are polluted. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. It doesn't matter how spiritual you act. A gossiper is a dirty, defiled person. But he also talks about not only how the tongue can pollute, but second of all, in verse 7 and 8, he talks about how the tongue can poison. Notice what he said in verse 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed. Hath been tamed to mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. James describes how man has been able to tame various animals like in a circus thing tame the elephant they contain to tame animals but he fails to tame his own tongue and he speaks of the tongue an untamed tongue as an unruly evil see that word unruly it speaks of a lack of stability an unstable evil it's like it's right there it could break forth any moment like a tongue that is full of evil a tongue that is full of gossip it's unruly unstable it is liable to break out any time and when it does it is full of deadly poison understand tonight the tongue can be like a deadly dose of poison it only takes a few drops or we might say a few words to destroy someone's name and it only takes a few drops or a few words to destroy somebody's reputation mountain climbers will tell you that it only takes a whisper to start an avalanche and one word can smear a character and one word can destroy the usefulness of another person's life James says a person that gossips and tears down other people they're dirty they're desecrated they're defiled and he said furthermore they're like poison they're all the time trying to destroy. I read a story not too long ago that I found very, very fascinating and interesting. In 1899, there were four newspaper reporters from Denver, Colorado that met by chance in a Denver Railroad, railway station. Their names were Al Stevens, Jack Turnay, John Lewis, and Hal Wishart these four men represented the four Denver newspapers the Post the Times the Republican and the Rocky Mountain News and each of these men had been set by the respective newspapers to dig up a story for the Sunday edition they were to find something unique they were to come up with a story for the Sunday edition and all four men were returning facing empty-handed returns to their editors Al said to the other three they were standing there talking and they were talking about they all knew the one I'm been able to find a story. So Al said, "I'm going to make up a story and turn it in." The other three men laughed at it. One of them said, well, "Why don't we go over to the Oxford Motel and have a beer?" And so they all walked over, and they all drunk a beer. And as they did, and during their time together, Jack said, "You know what? I like the Al's idea about making up a story or faking a story." So they talked about it a little longer, and they all decided to come up with a story. And they said, "We're going to come up with one. We want to get one that'll really get people's attention." so they thought about this and they thought if we do it a domestic story that it would easily be verified but let's do something from a foreign angle and it'll be harder to verify this is 1899 and so they all decided to come up with this story and they decided to do a story about China they thought about ideas and finally John said try this on group of American engineers stopping over in Denver en route to China the Chinese government is making plans to demolish the Great Wall, our engineers are bidding on the story. Harold said, I'm not sure. Why would, why would they want to destroy the Great Wall? John thought for me and said, I've got it. He said, they're tearing down the ancient boundary to symbolize international goodwill and the welcome foreign trade. By 11 o'clock that afternoon, the four reporters had worked out all the details of the story. After leaving the Oxford Bar, they walked over to the Windsor Hotel and signed four fictitious names in the hotel register. And they instructed the desk clerk to tell anyone who asked that four New Yorkers had spent the night there. They had been interviewed by the reporters and had left the next day, the next morning for California. So that Sunday, the Denver newspapers ran the story. The front page of the Times read, Great China's wall, doom, Peking seeks world trade. What they didn't expect was that the papers on the East Coast would pick the story up and begin running it. And then newspapers abroad began to run the story. And when the Chinese learned the Americans were sending a demolition crew to tear down their national monument, they were outraged. And particularly upset were members of a secret society, a volatile group of Chinese patrons who were already wary of foreign intervention. And the story merely inspired them and they exploded and they rampaged against the foreign embassies in Peking and became and slaughtered hundreds of missionaries. In two months, 12,000 troops from six countries joined forces, invaded China with the purpose of protecting their own countrymen. And the bloodshed that followed, sparked by a journalistic hoax invented in a Denver barroom, has become known to us as the Boxer Rebellion. Now, our words are very important. And we, with a little word, can cause great destruction. Just one word and tearing somebody down, you can mar a name. Just one story, passing on some little old room. I don't know if it's true, but I'm just telling you what I was told. That's the same thing as gossip. Whether you made it up or not, just passing it on, it's like a little fire that can destroy, it's like drops of poison that can take a life. James says, there is the result of a corrupt tongue like fire and like poison. But well, let me give you a third and a final thing. Are you still with me now? You not only have the revelation of a controlled tongue and the results of a corrupt tongue, but in the final verses uh, in our section, you have the rebuke of a contradictory tongue. If you notice, James closes his discussion of the tongue by describing someone who blesses and someone who blasts. On the other hand, notice two things. One, he talks about an inconsistent use of the tongue. Verse 9 and 10, therewith bless we God. Talking about using the tongue, he said, we bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. That is, they bear the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth, he said in verse 10, proceedeth blessing and cursing. James described someone blessing God one minute and cursing someone else the next moment one minute they're lifting up God and the next minute they're tearing down someone else they're someone that blesses in one statement and then they criticize and put someone else down in the other statement. thinking about tearing people down i think about a story i read one time about winston churchill there was a winston churchill of course the prime minister of great britain and there was a lady by the name of lady astor very wealthy very prominent lady and they both disliked each other something off Churchill despised her lady Astor despised Churchill but because of the social standing they often found themselves together at various events I think about on one occasion they were seated next to one another at a banquet and everybody knew how they disliked each other and everybody was watching just waiting for them to start fighting whatever There. And they did pretty good for a while, and finally Churchill said something Lady Astor didn't like, and she looked at Churchill and said, "Sir, if you were my husband, I'd put poison in your coffee." And Churchill said, "Lady, if you're my wife, I'd drink it." Well, they got called an elevator. Elevator door opened, and Lady Astor walked in, and lo and behold, there stood Churchill. And he'd been drinking, been drinking a little bit, he had a little bit more than he should have had. Whatever he shouldn't have had any, but he. Was, he, she could tell that he'd been drinking and she saw him and she smelt him and she said aha you're drunk churchill looked at her and says yes and you're ugly and then he paused but said tomorrow i'll be sober and you'll still be ugly but anyway every time he saw they was tearing each one down james talks about somebody tearing someone down an inconsistent use like coming to church on sunday blessing god and going out on monday and tearing somebody down that's an inconsistent use of the tongue. And notice what he said in verse 10. Second of all, an improper use of the tongue. He says very plainly in verse 10, My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And That statement is a strong negative, a strong command. This should never be true about the believer's life. That's what James is saying. He said, you bless in one breath and you curse in the other. You lift up God in one statement, tear down men in another statement. This should never be. He said of a believer, this should never be found in their life, should never be guilty in their life. And he illustrates it again in verse 12, 11 and 12 to drive home his point. He said, does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree my brethren bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. He says, does a fountain produce both sweet and bitter water in the same spring, same source? Does a fig tree produce olives? Does a vine produce figs? Does a fountain produce both fresh and salt water at the same time? And the answer is obviously no. He said, if not, how can the same mouth bless and curse at the same time? How can we be blessing God and tearing someone else down at the same time? James says, This should never be the case in a believer's life. It should never be said of us that we tear or gossip or hurt someone. Summary what James, he's ending up where he started. He's began by saying that a a mature person controls his tongue. They will not bless God at one moment, tear someone down at the next moment. That would be an improper use of the tongue, a use that is rebuked and condemned by God. He said, no, it really all sums up that's not the actions of a mature believer. Look back in verse 8, one statement. Lewis, he said, I'll point out the statement in verse 8. He said, but the tongue no man can tame. Now, he's not saying the tongue can't be tamed because that's what he's talking about is learning to tame the tongue. But what he's saying is that man cannot tame the tongue in himself, but as he grows in the Lord and as he matures in the Lord, as he develops in his spiritual life by the help of the Lord that person will learn to control their tongue won't you to understand something tonight just getting around with a group of friends and just bringing up somebody's name and start talking about them or whatever like you may think it you may take it lightly if it's not a big deal we're really not gossiping we're just passing on what we've heard we just, they asked me and I just thought it'd show I want you to understand something you may take it lightly but God doesn't take it lightly God has no room for a gossiper, and he has no room for a tattletale he has no room for a backbiter he has no tolerance he has no mercy on somebody that uses their tongue in an improper way not at all a serious thing how we use our tongue because again the tongue is a thermometer of what we are you really want to know what a person is don't listen to how loud they shout on Sunday listen how they talk on Monday that'll tell you more about that individual than anybody ask the children how they talk ask mom and dad or ask the wife ask the husband that'll tell you more about what they talk about and how they use the words and what they say maturity learning to tame the tongue amen take your prayer sheet that's an interesting passage of scripture in it amen you're awful quiet tonight look at james look at our prayer sheet here our missionary of the week is the bimbo serving in chile with b-i-m-i our church of the week, of course, is one of our own from here, Brother David Burkhart, Corvin Road Baptist Church in Dayton, Tennessee. And then at Memorial, Delsey Hall. She had to go in yesterday. want to remember Delcy. She She's not doing well. And uh, want to remember Delcy. Heather Camp and Larry, they had their baby. And uh, Holly Renee, 7 pounds, 14 ounces, and 21 inches long. So we rejoice in that. So let's remember all these things. If you will, let's come gather around the altar. We always conclude our time of studying the scriptures with prayer, taking things to the Lord, taking our missionary of the week to the Lord, taking our church of the week to the Lord, and then asking God to work truth in our hearts that the things that we learn and hear, we apply them. Let's do that tonight. Let's take these things to the Lord in prayer. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, what a privilege it is to pray. Thank you that through the blood of Jesus Christ we have access to you. And that we can come boldly to the throne of grace so father tonight as we come we come tonight not only to worship you but also to bring certain petitions to you you not only want us to pray but lord you teach us in your word to pray specifically so tonight we come not just to pray for our missionaries but to pray for a missionary we ask you to bless the bimbos bless them in their work in chile bless them and use them there the work their ministry may it be prospered of you supply every need they may have give them souls for their labor encourage their heart on the field be with them in a special way and use them for brother David we thank you for him I ask you to bless him and to bless his church and do great things encourage his heart strengthen him and I pray use him there we thank you Lord for how you've used him there how you've blessed him thank you Lord for how you spared his life what a testimony he is to to God's ability. But God bless Brother David and Linda tonight. Bless the church. Use it in the Dayton area. And then, Lord, for all the other requests, Delcie in the hospital, we ask you to touch her. Thank you for taking care of Heather through her pregnancy and giving them a healthy baby. And then for all the special requests tonight, we pray for them and lift them up to you that you'd meet every need and touch every life. Father, we ask you to bless the church and continue to prosper it may we grow spiritually as well as numerically meet every need that we have lord help us to always stay true to your word and stay focused upon the lord may he always be lord of our lives and lord of this church may we always lord realize it's not ours but it's yours you are the head and so father tonight uses and blesses and we'll thank you and praise you for all you do in jesus precious and holy name amen praise the Lord I'm glad that I'm saved just a couple of things for you that are in the upper room ministry Uh, we got the lock fixed and apologize uh, for the past uh, couple of weeks I I hate it because nothing to me is more important here in the prayer ministry and all the problems and believe me we've tried and tried but we finally we've got it solved and you see Luther as you leave tonight for the new combination to the lock. it's been changed and so if you're in the prayer room go by and you go out see Luther He'll give you the new combination. We'll be getting a letter out to you as well. And then on Sunday, don't forget Sunday, we're expecting a great day. Brother Eddie Goddard to be with us Sunday. Always a joy to have him. He's always with us the second Sunday of January. And whenever on, always a delight to have him here. Good to see him here tonight, Jack and Sandy and others. But uh, don't forget, it be a great day Sunday. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave.